Welcome to the Colby Cast, episode 26. Glad you could join us. In today's conversation, Hope and Bonnie interview Colby alumna Aviva Lund. Aviva is one of those rare individuals who can inspire even her teachers to make the most out of every opportunity. I remember her questions in my Latin courses several years ago, questions that displayed a genuine desire for accuracy and truth. If you want to hear how home education can be a launching pad for success at the highest academic levels, and how the humanities and the sciences play into each other, stick around and enjoy the show. Hi there, I'm Bonnie, Colby homeschooling mom, liturgical musician, podcast fanatic, heavy library user, and Colby parent ambassador. I have two lads and two lasses. The youngest is in fifth grade, the eldest is in 10th, and this is our fourth year homeschooling with Colby. And I'm Hope, Bonnie's younger sister and a Colby alumna in a phase of life after being a student, but before becoming a parent. I studied communication theory and philosophy in college, then I went to law school. Now I'm an attorney, an avid home cook, and the fun aunt to Bonnie's kids. So today we are visiting with Gabriella Aviva Lund, who is a recent Colby graduate and current college student who's done some pretty great things, but has some pretty amazing stories to share with us, I think. And we are grateful to get to visit with her. So welcome to the Colby cast, Aviva. Thank you for having me. Thank you. To visit with you. At the beginning of these, we kind of like to just learn a little bit more about you and your background and your current experiences and interests. Right. Um, so Colby has been a part of our lives for many years. Um, when we first started homeschooling, we tried a variety of curricula. Um, but long story short, Colby was pretty much the best uh, by far fit for our family and also for me personally. And through high school, I used Colby online. Oh my gosh, I have so much to say about Colby, but point being, uh, best preparation I could have for college, for life, and everything, just everything, um, from preparation in theology, philosophy, literature, history, Latin, and all the humanities, to even preparation in the sciences, which is now what I am focusing on, though I am holding a bit of the humanities as well. Um, I really feel like Colby awoke this deep curiosity and love for learning and appreciation for the beauty of humanity seen through the light of the Catholic Church. And and now every day I spend in college and hopefully for the rest of my life, um, I keep on seeing how applicable it is to, to everything, to my friendships, my acquaintances, to intellectual discourse, uh, to my faith, um, and hopefully one day to my career. So yeah, I mean, I can go on and on, but I guess I'll start there. That's beautiful. I love hearing it's just the integration of education and formation and then the living out of it with Colby. So you mentioned you're pursuing the sciences as well as the humanities right now. And that's a question that I think comes up in a lot of homeschooling discussions often is like, well, what about what about science? And we'd love to talk to you about a variety of things. But I think that's one of the first questions that we'd have is kind of like your experience with scientific studies and and a future career there and yeah I mean just going because I'm a sophomore now at the University of Notre Dame um, and I'm studying neuroscience pre-med 
um, intending to minor in philosophy. If I could, I would double minor in philosophy and theology. (laughs) I'm not quite so sure if I have the space credit-wise, but we're going to try. So um, that's where I am now. As how I've got there, um, long, long road in my short life of discernment. Um, And Colby both helped me and really didn't um, (laughs) in like narrowing down (laughs) because I mean, what I got out of that education because most people like, oh yeah, like I'm a science person. Or like, oh no, no, no. I'm like a humanities person. Um, And what I got out of my experience was like, um, I kind of like it all. I think it's all just wonderful and beautiful and it all fits together like in a single web. And I thought about that in my college essays and my college interviews. And even now, um, I just, the way that, the sciences and the humanities interlace. I mean, it's, it's, I mean, clear for us, um, at least that it, it all comes from a single truth from God. I'll give you an example. I'll give you an example. Um, when I took AP calculus, <laughs> I did not expect, uh, to have such a similar experience in my learning of theology there as I did in like Dr. Schultz, uh, theology class. <laughs> um, I mean, he's incredible. So I guess you can't really compare anything to him. But point being, like I was in my calculus class and she was talking about the beauty of different like like aspects of apologetics or like the 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 virtue of humility um, or just talking about different theologians like through mathematics. So I was like, what? <laughs> what? You can like find so many aspects of humanity just through science and math. And so that's for that reason. Um, in my discernment for like my career, my just my major in college, um, I didn't want to let go of humanities completely. I also didn't want to let go of the sciences completely. Um, and so that's why I am pursuing neuroscience. Um, I did this internship at Yale Medical School before my senior year of high school. That's where I knew I loved the sciences like for themselves, like per se. Um, before that, I thought even the idea, let's say of just like research, right? I was like, so boring. I don't want to spend all day in a lab. I'm a people person. I go there. I spend the summer, like seven weeks, uh, researching the effects of PAM3 on trophoblast cells and human endometrial stromal cells. Sounds really complicated. Uh, I was just looking at the Zika virus during pregnancy and potential cures that we could use just by activating the immune system with specific components of bacteria. Uh, so just working with cell cultures pretty much. Uh, and I really liked that. I thought it was the coolest thing, uh, working side by side with these Yale doctors who were just discovering cures that had never been thought of yet. So point being, after my experience there, I was like, I know I definitely have a love and passion for science. Taking the AP courses and honors courses uh, in science with Colby definitely uh, boosted that love as well. So I started as a biology major at Notre Dame just because it was more general. That's what I knew. And then I learned that I really had a specific love for how people think and work and behave from the molecular level all the way to the behavioral um, and back. And so that's what I'm sticking with now. I'm a neuroscience major, but philosophy um, from one of the classes I took, I think it might've been my freshman year of high school, like reading Socrates. And then later on in my apologetics class, my junior, I think reading like apologetics with like Aristotle and Aquinas um, and just combining all of that was like philosophy is so cool I want to keep studying this because it also gives me more insight in like how people think and operate and behave and and why we believe what we believe I just I'm just fascinated by just all of that so yeah that's how Colby helped me on that process of what I wanted to study that is awesome (laughs) and 
you're the first person who I've talked to who is telling their story in such a vivid and approachable and clearly energetic and excited way. And then in the middle of it is like, oh yeah, and I did this thing at Yale Medical School and then keeps going. So (laughs) that is awesome. I love how you describe the molecular to the behavioral level and back. I think it's fantastic your enthusiasm for learning that you have embraced through your Colby studies and into your college studies now. Um, and specifically applied to these studies on the molecular level, all the way up and back, as you said, how and why people behave and believe and do what they do. That's so interesting, bringing together the physical aspects of it and all of the other dimensions of it, the theological and philosophical, all all the various dimensions and the ones I don't even know to mention, just synthesizing them, bringing them all together rather than this is over here and this is over here and never the two shall meet or anything like that. I think that is really amazing and, and such needed study, the greater awareness of how it all works together, the human person, mind, body, soul, and spirit, all of it together. And your enthusiasm is so delightful and engaging. I really, I love it. I think it's fantastic. What was the application process like for the research program that you did? Oh, the the Yale one? Yes. Yeah. Um. So... <laughs> It's one of those programs that they don't even advertise it because it's it's very well known in the the tri-state area and everyone wants to be there. Um, so I mean, it was pretty much it was very similar to the Common App college application process. It was very similar. I just write some essays, um, but specific to like why I was interested in that program and what background I had um, associated with it, and just like resume and the letters of recommendation. Um, so it was actually pretty straightforward. I mean, like any other application. Sorry, I would just highly recommend a Discovery to Cure internship. If you're into medicine or research, do the Discovery to Cure internship. It's it's an incredible experience. Did much come up about you being homeschooled during the application process, or was it pretty paperwork-based? Are you asking for colleges or for this internship? Because colleges, that's a whole different story. <laughs> um, um, both. Okay, so for, both. I'll do the shorter one first. The internship process uh, for that specific internship uh, pretty low key. Uh, so no, the, it was just paperwork based. Like there wasn't interviews or anything. I just like did the application and I got it or I didn't ask for college. <laughs> um, yes, the whole school question came up, um, in almost every interview, I would say those who are a little less ignorant about how homeschooling works. Yeah. They were more like, Oh, that's really cool. Tell me more about it. Because like, if you know about homeschooling, you know, that it's different for every family. Um, it really depends on how you approach it. It's very individualized in that sense. Um, but for those who don't know, <laughs> I, I was up interviewing for Yale and she was just like, why? Why would you homeschool? She's like, you, the public schools in New York are so good. Like, they're so good. Why would you do that? And I was like, that's a really good question. I mean, and I just explained it the way it was. I was like, yeah, yeah, no, the public school. I mean, there are different parts of the answer as to why I was homeschooled, but to answer it so she would understand... Um, was like, yes, the public schools have great education, but I found that the education I get through Colby Academy um, is the same, if not better. So I wanted to maximize my time and my resources and go to the academy that would best fit my academic needs. Um, And so, and of course we know there's the other aspect that public schools and even private, especially actually private Catholic schools um, seem to be, at least in my area, uh, not, (laughs) if they're Catholic, they're not teaching the actual Catholic faith. And if they're public, they're, um, yeah, I don't like want to get like to hot topics, but they're not teaching kids that there is truth 
that there is right and wrong, <laughs> that there is reality and an imagination. Um, they're saying you could be whatever gender you want. You could be whatever species you want, you know, whatever you want to be. Yes, yes, if you, whatever you want to be within the realms of reality. But they don't say that. So, of course, I wasn't going to go there. People are very sensitive. So I said what we all know and love about Colby is that the education, that the level of the rigorous curriculum is just like, whoo, it's like out of the roof. It's amazing. And in connection with that, I would say that my experience in Notre Dame is, is not been, except <laughs> except organic chemistry, that was challenging, very difficult. All the other classes, I would say I was, I was not really surprised at the difficulty. Like it was pretty much very similar to Colby level. Like my friends coming from normal high school, like, oh my gosh, this is so hard. Like, there's so much going on, so many assignments. I'm like, the density of Colby assignments, same thing, if not worse, <laughs> like worse through Colby. Um, and so, yeah, that I would just went off a huge tangent. But yes, they would ask about the homeschooling, definitely. Like all my interviews, that always came up. Like that always came up. Like, why would I homeschool? Like, why are you, you seem like you're really social. <laughs> so yeah, it's taught, it's taught me, I'm not a very patient person, but it's, it's, it taught me the, the virtue of patience when it comes to these kind of things. Cause it makes sense. Like, um, homeschooling is growing exponentially right now, but there's still so many people who just don't get it. They just don't get it. Um, so yeah, that honestly, I was actually concerned during the college process because we actually had the, the decision to use Colby Academy's transcript or to use our own. And because I was using multiple, although Colby was my main source of like learning we did use multiple other academies um which kind of screwed things up and made things complicated so we ended up using our own transcripts like homeschool <laughs> and so we were we were concerned we we're like I mean we've never I've honestly I've only met a, actually I don't even think I've personally met people who pursued homeschooling all the way through high school like I met people who had done homeschooling like up to high school and then went to school and then got into all the Ivy Leagues and they were fine but I'd never met anyone personally though I've heard of it never met anyone personally who had gone into top schools um, as a homeschooler. So we were extremely concerned, definitely. But we're like, you know, it's worth it because let's say I don't get in these schools, screw that. Like I got a beautiful ex education that will like, I will take like with me for the rest of my life. Um, but it was worth it at the end. Do you mind me sharing the schools I got into? Please do. Okay. I think okay. it's great to hear. Um, I think if people would be interested, yeah. Okay. We were really concerned about what the turnout would be because again, I, I I did not know anyone else who had done this. And so I was like, you know what? I'm just going to try. We're going to do what we can. Um, just the interviewing process in itself. That's usually when I was like talking to some advisors um, through HSLDA and other sources. Um, they told me if you get an interview from a school, that means you have all the credentials necessary, right? I mean, you had all the grades, all the credentials, like you are fit for the school. However, there's something about your application that makes them say, wait, tell me more, for better or for worse. And so I ended up having interviews for Harvard, Princeton, and Yale, which I was just shocked by. Um, I didn't get in at the end, <laughs> but uh, I did get to the interview process, which did show me that I had the credentials and they knew that. Um, so that's first things first. When I ended up getting all of my results uh, or all of my acceptance letters, my options were Johns Hopkins University, NYU, uh, the University of Notre Dame. And then from there, it was Boston College, Northeastern University's honors program for neuroscience. And then full, and then also scholarship there. And full rides to the University of Dallas and, what was it? University of Denver. I think that's everything. 
And so, I mean, I was overjoyed. Like every application I received, like we would start screaming because it was like, I mean, even getting into like University of Denver, I was like, oh my God, like every school was a celebration because we had no idea. We had no idea what was coming. We really didn't because credibility, ethos, that's a huge thing. Like that's all of these like fancy schmancy schools are all about ethos. They're all about credibility. That's why kids are, our parents are so silly. And like in, in New York, it was a thing when we were in preschool, they were like, we have to go to this preschool because of, if not, they won't get into Harvard. Like you have, if you want to get into Harvard, you have to go to this preschool. So all of the parents go crazy running. Oh, we have to get to this preschool. Like that. And unfortunately, a lot of that's true. It's about connections. And so anyway, to see that it was possible for a homeschooler to get into a top school and given that every homeschooler is unique, it was unique for my situation. I was just, we're so overjoyed. And long story as to how I chose Notre Dame, but that was the right fit. And since I've been there, honestly, it's, it's, I haven't been like pulverized by the real world. And I I wouldn't even say college is a real world. It's not, it's just a bigger bubble, but (laughs) the (laughs) academics were not, were not overwhelming. Like I was able to pretty much get straight A's like my first two semesters. I'm getting a little screwed over with organic chemistry, but I got a pretty good grade for that too. Um, <laughs> other, like, it was not a problem. And even to like a small thing like office hours, because apparently kids don't know what that means when they go to college. And we had office hours with Colby and I used that. I used office hours a lot. And so I continued to do the same in college and I formed incredible relationships with my professors who, I, I don't know if you can call them friends. But they're the closest thing to a friends to me um, because they're such not an, only an incredible resource, but they're incredible people who just have so much wisdom to offer. I'm going, I'm sidetracking again. The point being like, there's so, so, so many things Colby prepared me to do. And ultimately it got me to where I am now. Um, praise God, praise God. But yeah, I, I feel, I feel very blessed to have had this background. You certainly have done your part though. It's not like it, this, and I've mentioned this before, there's not this, um, sense of entitlement or expectation, like, give this to me, you have taken the initiative to do your part in the process and put in the time and effort and work to get to where you were meant to be. It's not like you would just be plopped there somewhere. You would, <laughs> you had a lot to do with that yourself, take, build, drawing upon um, what had been given to you and the work you had done in your, in your high school education to, to get to the next, the next part. Uh, it sounds like you have some great mentors You've had great mentors along the way from your from your Colby instructors to now your college professors and folks you have interacted with in your internships and things like that. I'm really curious to hear more about how you drew upon the resources of the the Homeschool Legal Defense Association, the HSLDA that you referenced, that some adv- advice you got from them, that an organization that homeschoolers can join, it's a, it's a membership organization, and enrolled Colby families can join at a discount with a code that they receive once they are registered with Colby. So do you mind talking a little bit more about what role that played in your application process for college? Yeah, of course. HSLDA played a huge role, played a huge role not only in my college applications, but also in my high school process. In fact, my whole homeschool process in general. I believe we started using HSLDA early on, just literally for the legal help. Um, New York is very, very strict when it comes to homeschooling. So we wanted to make sure, wanted to ensure that we did it the right way. 
in the beginning, our public schools gave us a really hard time. In fact, our private schools, but that's a different reason. My parents, <laughs> they were very involved in our private school. And we started homeschooling just for a very spontaneous and just more like, oh, opportunity reasons more than like, oh, we don't like private school. We were very involved. So, but public schools, like they like literally gave us a very hard time. They were like, no, like you guys, your kids should be in school. no you're not equipped for this. And so HSLDA really helped us with that. When we decided to use the homeschool transcript, like our own transcript, they were there the whole time. They gave us the template. They walked us through everything. They did the GPA calculation, just basing it on all the different academies I was working with. I gave them my grade and they did the calculations and gave us a template. Oh, I can go on and on. Also, I use HSLDA Online Academy. So they have good courses too. Again, not Colby, but good. They do have good AP courses. They have a variety of AP courses, but still, Colby's better. I'm unbiased in that sense. So yeah, HSLDA, in, in short, it helps you with a variety of things, from legal to just like building your transcript to just advice about courses you should take. I think they give you a bunch of different lists of like, you know, what colleges look for um, in your curriculum or in extracurriculars. So honestly, consider them your high school slash college advisors and lawyer. So just all of it. <laughs> okay. That's good to know. With all the differing, the states all having their various homeschooling laws, it really is interesting to me uh, the degree to which we might think uh, we need them or not. It's separate from Colby, but if we are registered families of Colby, then we can receive a discount to join HSLDA, which could could come in very handy. It sounds like it certainly did for your family and, and I know for many others. So just to have that on the radar screen, so to speak, that that is a, a resource that works hand in hand with with Colby. I wanted to go back for a second to what Bonnie was saying about how Colby alumni have this sense of engagement without entitlement. And I have a theory on this, but I would be, I would love to hear your thoughts on it, Aviva. I have a theory that when we're faced with Herodotus or Dante (laughs) or any of these imposing (laughs) tomes <laughs> when we're like you know we're trying to study the driver's manual to learn how to drive a car and we're like trying to read Herodotus at the same time it teaches us this way of approaching new information and new experiences and different things like that of like there's a lot of humility to it of there is no way I'm gonna get everything here in this 3,000 years of knowledge but it also there's this drive of like but I'm gonna get something and if I read it twice or three times I'm gonna get a little bit more each time and I really think that that's one of the most valuable lessons I've had from my Colby education is this idea of the humility of recognizing I'm not gonna get everything but the but the encouragement and the drive to get something and I kind of wonder if that so looping it back around my theory is that that experience then really helps propel Colby alums into looking for connections where you might not normally see them or like you mentioned the idea now of oh I'm a science person or I'm a humanities person and I think we can see that in a lot of areas and in even colleges right now the split between STEM and liberal arts and I think I don't know. My theory is that Colby teaches us it's it's both and and not either or, but I would love to hear your thoughts on that. Yeah, of course. Um, if I had to boil it down to 
one sentence, I might not be able to, so we'll try. I would say once you encounter truth in person, the more you get to know truth, the more you know that you don't know. I love Socrates. I love him so much. Socrates really taught me that. And then my actual Colby education confirmed it. The wisest people are the ones who know that they don't know. I don't think I know enough that I don't know. Um, we're on that process of learning that how much I don't know. Um, but Colby really did show me that, honestly, um, through, like you said, reading, first of all, Herodotus is a mouthful. Herodotus is very intense um, for many reasons. Um, people were crazy, uh, but also very intense literature. <laughs> but yeah, Dante too, uh, Shakespeare, Aquinas, uh, and so on. Re reading them is, is hard. And I actually, at Notre Dame, I, I was told, oh yeah, I know some people don't read Aquinas till like they're getting a PhD. I'm like, well, that's a long time to wait, but I understand why. Um, very intense, very deep. And these are these are authors that really encountered truth in person. Socrates was as close to truth in person as he could get without Christ. But uh, as Dante would say. Um, <laughs> but no, really, I, I would agree. I would agree. Um, all I, I, the, I think the, the most important thing I've learned is how much I don't know, because the more I've learned, the more I realize the depth, the depth of, of wisdom that is that is in the church, that is in all of this literature. Um, at first, it's a little overwhelming because you're like, I, I know, like I know for a fact that I cannot really absorb all of this knowledge and understanding. Um, but hopefully that's what we'll be spending the rest of eternity doing. Oh, that's that's the beauty of learning. Anyway, I can go on. But yes, I agree. Colby has really taught me how little I, I really do know. Um, and one thing my aunt told me, who was actually one of the inspirations for us homeschooling, was that sometimes you know you don't know when you think you do know. And you learn that through teaching, she said. That when you start teaching, you realize that everything you thought you knew, you really don't know very well. And the more you learn, the more you're like, wow, yeah, I have so much more to learn. And now that I'm, I'm also considering grad school or, or even med school, talking to them. And actually, again, through my Yale experience, I, was, I learned a lot about this one part of the body <laughs> of the reproductive system that I knew as well as any other doctor in the room. But that was it. That's all I knew, that one area of the body. And when I started asking questions about the specific pathways, the alpha beta pathways or whatever, the TNF alpha pathways, the interferon beta pathways, um, and, and why they went this way, what happened in between these two proteins, like what's going on here and there, I reached a point where they couldn't answer my questions anymore. And they're like, oh, we don't know. And there's so much we don't know. It's like, it's kind of terrifying. But I think as a high school student, taking Colby classes specifically, you get to learn that pretty quickly because you dive right into the deepest wisdom of the greatest authors in history. And so, yes, I learned that early on and I keep relearning that every day. Not as well as I did in Colby since I am now a science student. <laughs> There's so much we don't know there, but even more so, even more so through the more humanities aspect of learning. Yes, I think definitely because since we go straight to the, the wisest of authors throughout all the eras or many of the eras of history, um, you really learn very quickly um, how much we don't know and how, how much of a gift it is that we know what we do know um, and how incredible it is that we can do so much with the little we do know. Um, so yeah, definitely leaves you starving to learn more. <laughs> what were your days like? Like you mentioned every homeschooling family is different, which I totally agree with. And at the same time, it's always 
helpful, I think, for people to hear like how other people have found even just their days or their weeks or like we had an entire episode about planners or just kind of like living the life of absorbing all of this knowledge and pursuing it and recognizing how much we don't know. So like we've talked to some people who were real early birds and other people (laughs) were night owls and (laughs) things like that. And so it's always, I'm always curious to hear like how you found your own working style, I guess, and what it kind of looks like. Well, um, I would say that I had a very steep learning curve as to what it takes to maximize your time and really absorb information very well. First step for me was my mom teaching me to love to learn um, and just to learn how to learn. And so I think that's what drove me in everything. Like literature, for example. Um, also, background of what I'm naturally inclined towards. I love musical theater. I love sports. I love talking with people. I love discovering scientific things. I love having intellectual discourse. But a lot of that intellectual discourse must be backed by actual literature exposure. Um, and I was not a good reader. I was, in fact, a bad reader. Um, Colby helped me a lot. <laughs> I was forced to get better because I have to get through all that. Um, But yeah, the way I tried to approach it was, again, like everything came back to my love for learning that I was, you know, inspired by my mom. Um, And I was like, okay, I have to read 150 pages of the Iliad by tomorrow. Um, (laughs) So I don't know what's going on. And I'm really bad at reading. So what do I do? And so, I mean, I approached it the way it was meant to be read, which was as a story, as a theatrical story. And I am a theatrical person. And so I try to kind of change my approach to learning depending on whatever situation I was in to help, again, drive my learning through my love for it rather than, oh, I have to get this done and over with. Because usually when I approach it from a perspective of, oh, how do I approach this in a way that excites me, um, then I would learn a lot more quickly and a lot more efficiently and it would stick. So I started there. Second, and maybe this should have been first, was calendar, like organizing my time, scheduling like crazy, not just like, oh, um, do school from like eight to eight. Um, Cause there were days where I worked longer than that, but like more specific, like specific scheduling. Um, and I, and it was a struggle. It was, I kept remaking my calendars like probably every other week or maybe every day. Like <laughs> I was constantly recalibrating um, to find different, better ways to use my time. So, I mean, I actually took a test. Am I a night person? Am I a morning person? No, I, I'm actually, I took a test and I'm neither. Um, I'm very much motivated just by having a specific task or a goal or a passion. And so I, Loki, I was on a, this mission trip um, and we had to wake up at 3 a.m. Um, to go to this um, like man's homeless shelter. And like the whole group of girls like exhausted sleeping. And I was like, blah, 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 talking with Uber, super excited and awake. Um, other days, like I sleep in and I just won't wake up till like night or something. And I just, I just sleep. And so for me, it's all about my schedule. And so I'd have days I scheduled to wake up at five uh, because I had that much work to do. Or other days, I think honestly, the general time I'd wake up was like seven. Uh, 6.30, 6.37. And general day, if I just kind of like averaged it all out, would be wake up like 6.37, uh, go to uh, go to mass in the morning. Um, after that, come back, attend my classes and just do work in between. And here and there, I'd have like a piano class in the middle of my classes or volleyball practice or tennis practice in the middle of that. Uh, there was a point where I was taking guitar and singing lessons. <laughs> 
Um, that would also just be splattered in the middle there. Or sometimes, like, I think the sports a lot of the time were at night or musical theater at night or whatever at night. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it was like um, that was a general like skeleton of like how it worked and all that, because a lot of it was changing because life happens. Um, but, yeah, I would say it was definitely constantly being recalibrated, and reorganized. And I'm great. I'm grateful for that struggle, because what I went through then is what my college peers are going through now. Like I said before, like Colby, <laughs> praise God for Colby. Going into college, I was not surprised because I had spent the last four years doing what my, like my, again, my peers were trying to go through now, just how do I manage my time? Like, no one's telling me to get up. No one is telling me to submit my homework every day. Like I suddenly have classes twice a week, not every day. And it's just classes are randomly met here and there. And I just do my work by myself. Like, what is this? And I was just like, yeah, been there, done that. And so again, still a work in progress. I'm still trying to get better and better every day. Now I use Google Calendar, which is my best friend, changes everything. Um, but otherwise, yes, I think my schedule changed a lot. And it was constantly just trying to find new ways to maximize my time. A lot better now, a lot more consistent now. But it just generally consisted of wake up as early as I can. Um, if I had to do homework early in the morning or in the late hours of the night, more preferably the early hours of the morning, I would do that, go to mass my classes and then music or sports in between and yeah just do what I got to do <laughs> yeah that's fantastic I'm a google calendar fan as well I use that also lots of colors yeah yes. color code all the things <laughs> that's right <laughs> I've been trying to move her onto apple calendar and she's still google calendar forever <laughs> just so I have it just so hearing how you have applied these applied yourself to these time management lessons and learning them and, and, and building on them and applying them once you've gotten to college, that's, that's gratifying to hear because that's something that we're working on here. That's one of the things that we hope to be able to develop more with the more discretion we have over our time as a family and in homeschooling, things like that. So that as a parent, I, I love hearing that your experience coming through that and how you have taken ownership of that now and have for a while it's not nothing new that you've taken or you took it a while a while ago and 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 to see the fruits of that now as you have gone into your next phase of life where there there aren't people paying as keen of attention to did you turn this in did this get done have you done that so that's that's really encouraging to hear so we've asked a few of the alumni we visited with recently uh, what advice you might have it sounds like what you just described would be Perfect. Would you have any other advice to offer current ninth or 10th graders with Colby or maybe yourself as when you were a Colby ninth grader or 10th grader? Oh, oh, wow. Um, where do I start? I would say, um, most importantly, I mean, first of all, if faith is something important to you, um, hold on to that first. Hold on to that first. Your faith Something that I, I'm sure is a common saying at this point is that when you give time to God, he'll give time to you like tenfold. And I have found that so true. Even today, uh, I I really try to get to daily mass now because I really find that that is really the core of everything. It really energizes me. It really helps me manage my time and prioritize correctly. That's first. That's really important. Second, if you're pursuing higher education, if you're pursuing grad school, med school, or if you're pursuing the top schools, you want to get in there. 
it looks really scary. <laughs> um, it is, it is. Um, but something I realized looking back, it comes down to what you're going to do with your moment right now. It comes down to just doing what you have to do. Finish your assignment, do your reading, ask your professor or teacher, ask your teacher for advice when you need it. Go to office hours, like use your time right now to enjoy your process of learning and to do what you just have to do, do what you have to do. And if you really want to make it to the harder institutions, be willing to sacrifice. There's gonna, there were so many days <laughs> that I was just downstairs working late hours and, and just studying and, and reading and working with my note cards when the rest of my family was watching a movie or when my friends were hanging out. Um, not that I didn't have a social life. Like if you manage your time well, you can have both, but there will be sacrifice. And just know that that sacrifice is so worth it. It's so worth it. Those hours, although you can also offer them off as mortifications and pray for souls, they're seeds to your future. Um, so if, if you're willing to sacrifice, just know it's worth it. It's so worth it. It is so, so worth it. And it's beautiful. I don't even know if I'd call it sacrifice because you're spending time learning from this incredible curriculum, which you may not have the chance to do so again. Like this is very unique, very unique opportunity. So, so yeah, that's a lot. Um, but I'd say faith first. Oh, and family too. Family's huge. That'll, yeah, that'll be gone before you know it. I mean, you'll still have your family, but not every day. That, that's a gift that most people actually don't have that you can live with your family. So enjoy that. Put your faith first. And if you're willing to make the sacrifice, just know it's a beautiful sacrifice and enjoy the moment. Enjoy the now and do what you have to do today. And then before you know it, you'll be <laughs> in incredible places. I, I love that. It's the sense of the moment, the present moment is a gift. As you have said in, in your Colby address, it was wonderful to read about life and everything in it being a gift. And right now is what we have, but it we also know that this is not all there is. So I, I love both the, the way in which you hold the present moment, applying yourself to whatever's in front of you right now and giving your best to that, knowing that what's yet to come will draw from that. Thank you so much. Your discussion about going to daily mass reminded me of a saying quote that's much easier said than lived, which is always spend a half an hour in prayer unless you're busy. And if you're busy, spend an hour. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. That it's so true. It is so true. Wow. That's a, good a, that's a good, who said that? St. Francis de Sales. Oh, I love that guy. Oh, he's the best I, I i have so many quotes that i just refer to every day from him he's like the master at holiness of everyday life another and another book i read through colby <laughs> yes introduction to the devout life 12th grade right yes you have mentioned a couple of times your your social nature your love for people and interaction with them what were some of your favorite things to do what your activities or social interactions like when you were um, going through your Colby education? Ooh. Okay, um, a variety of things. So we have a, a local homeschool group called St. Monica's Homeschool Group, and they would have a variety of events from like sports. Like I actually, I originally did like club tennis and like club volleyball, and then I ended up joining the team that they started that 
excelled. Like we played against lots of other clubs and in schools and we won like a lot. And so I was doing athletics with them. Um, ended up being the team captain my senior year. And then for the more like youth group, like oriented events, like social service, like faith oriented, um, leadership. Um, I took charge of that my junior year of high school and did that pretty much just like, like social events as well as, um, and like fun, fun social events that were also like pure and chaste. (laughs) It was a really good time. Uh, whether we did like game nights or dance nights or trips to ice skating or skiing or whatever. And so that as well as like visiting nursing homes and like doing other like forms of service. Um, I did that. Um, I also, for the sake of like, you know, more like professional and just like actually also humanities oriented formation, I did this program in New York City called The Avenue, um, which is a leadership program for high school girls. Very interesting program um, because it combines like the art of living, like cooking, baking, like just house stuff with professional. Like we had like people come in from like Princeton and Harvard and all these other really incredible schools talking about their professional experiences, whether as lawyers or scientists or as people in the culinary arts, like really anything. (laughs) And so that was that was very valuable for me Um, over the summers. I would be a counselor at sleepaway camps. Um, so I found that really valuable as well. I, I babysat. <laughs> and this is not as social as much as it is entrepreneurial, but I started a company with my uh, two other sisters called Equidane. We sell blankets from my mother's homeland. Um, and through our profit, um, we're able to fund missions like Project Muisna, which is something we did January of 2019. We went to island called Muisna off the coast of Ecuador that had a terrible earthquake years ago. And with our, with the money we raised in December, that previous December, we funded that trip and built five homes um, for people who lost everything due to the earthquake. And so that social aspect was super cool <laughs> as well as oh, a great yeah. opportunity to, to, you know, take what we have and try to serve others. Yeah, that's, yeah. And also I did musical theater as well. Um, mostly over the summer, I did Singing in the Rain. We did Mary Poppins. So, and then also a lot more when I was little, but in between that, it was more like volleyball and tennis. And then, yeah, this is actually not so much social as it is just extracurricular now. Um, the piano is another passion of mine that I've done since I was four years old. So I would do competitive piano, um, mostly piano performance, but some competitive piano as well. Yeah. So, I mean, all of those activities had social elements. Um, I think the main ones were definitely the St. Monica, Monica's Youth Group. Um, that I led and the avenue um, those are more socially oriented but I mean otherwise just hanging out with friends and like being sure. normal <laughs> sure it's clearly a case where sometimes we hear people kind of laugh of, oh you're homeschooled but we homeschool but we're never home I mean you're at home doing schoolwork but there's it's so know, true. there's sort of that stereotypical they're homeschoolers at home all the time. Um, no, they're <laughs> they're out all over the place. In addition to being <laughs> home, and they the they are <laughs> learning along the way how to balance being out and being home, and all that that art of living that you're referring to. And I love that program that you mentioned that combines like cooking and baking with the professional presentations. I think that that is an undervalued skill of being able to move back and forth. Like there's this false dichotomy of you're at home or you're out and about, and it's really the balance of them, right? Yeah. That is 
again, it's a both and, and it's it's a privilege. It's a privilege. I mean, if we all, yeah. it cracks me up because we're like, oh, homeschooling, being at home, like such a oh, like lower class. Like, what? No, look at history. Like public schools were created 200 years ago for the like people who didn't have the opportunities to have education. Tutoring, schooling at home, or just schooling at home was a privilege for the kings and queens of society. Like being able to focus on the arts and 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 the col the culinary arts, or the more of like like painting or just like building sculptures or like telling stories. That was in like the the golden age of like Greece and Rome when people were like, you know, in the good times, not having to worry about starvation or war. And so what do they do? They spent their time doing art and expressing themselves and searching for truth and meaning of life and educating themselves in what would also be the humanities. So I think mathematics and science were there too. That just kind of took a long time throughout history. But point being, <laughs> this is a privilege. It's a privilege. I mean, people, I mean, I, it, again, a privilege to be able to like have the resources and the time and to be able to cook at home, to be able to decorate, to be able to express yourself in art. Like that's such a gift. But um, yeah, society is telling us otherwise. So let's, like you said, both and. It's not like science and technology sucks. No, they're tools. They're incredible tools but there are tools. <laughs> there are some things you can enjoy for the sake of themselves. And that's, that's what all the arts have to offer. So yes, I agree. It's so, <laughs> it's so clear that you have this appreciation that it is a privilege. And then also this question you ask, not what can I get, but how can I give? Your business sounds really interesting. How long has this been going? Hmm, I think we started it like six years ago, maybe so. I know I was like early high school, maybe eighth grade. I was like, mm, well, right about when we started using Colby Online. Yeah, so Equidane means, uh, or it comes, it's derived from the words Ecuador and Denmark, which are the countries where my two parents are from. My mother is born and raised in Ecuador. My father is born and raised in Denmark. And we had this tradition um, whenever we visit my mother's family, my grandmother, my abuela, every year around Thanksgiving time. She would take us to the Mercado Artesanal, so the artisan's market, and give us like 10 bucks to like go like get cute little items every year, whenever we'd visit. And my dad is a really good shopper. He's a good salesman, but he's also a really good shopaholic. <laughs> and he would find really good stuff there. Like we started by finding like ponchos. Um, and we were like, you know what, let's take this back and like maybe sell them at a Christmas party. We always had a huge annual Christmas party with all of our friends. And we sold it there and we took the money, uh, gave it back to my grandmother in Ecuador. And she used that money to like buy Christmas gifts and resources for kids at an orphanage. And so we found mm -hmm. that they loved our products. And then ponchos became blankets. Uh, we found these very large blankets, um, generous size, very soft to the touch, but then also like thin, not too thin, but like thin enough, <laughs> not scratchy. And we're like, you know, we'll take it back and have beautiful designs too, like native designs from like Ecuador and all of that. And took a bunch back. Same thing, sold it, used the money to provide for children at an orphanage. And the people really loved the blanket. Our friends loved it. We're like, you know what? We could turn make this into a business. And like, and we, and we did. And so uh, we went back to meet the artisans. We, like, we kind of looked all over for them in Ecuador to see who originally made the blankets. We met them, their families. Now we're, we're friends with them. <laughs> They're wonderful people. Uh, the Otobaleños. They're one of the few natives left in South America that still wear their traditional like you know outfits and like the scarves and like like everything you'd see like in a yeah rare rare thing they're they're really holding on to their culture holding on to it on a thread and so actually through Equidin we were able to help by like spreading their story and sharing their product 
um, and getting to know them. They're, they're wonderful people, very strong people. So yeah, did that, we were able to fund Project Moisne. Yeah, and share these really, really great blankets. <laughs> our, some of our friends call them the wizard's blanket because it's super soft and it's really large and everyone wants it all the time, whether you're inside, outside, it's summertime, wintertime, anytime, anywhere, <laughs> everywhere. <laughs> uh, so yeah, we're really blessed to come across this product and, and, and share the story and, and meet the people. I'm looking at some of them. They're breathtakingly detailed and beautiful. This sounds wonderful this venture and the two cultures that, that your nuclear family brings together and then the travel you've done as a result of that and the relationships you've cultivated that's wonderful it sure has been a pleasure visiting with you today Aviva we wish you continued success and uh, many blessings upon you as you continue on your path and we really appreciate this time with you thank you so much thank you so much it's been a pleasure Mary our mother pray for us St. Maximilian Kolbe, pray for us. Ad maiorem Dei Gloriam.